Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. I'm going to read that first line one more time from Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have obtained access to this grace. Now, if you read the e-news I sent out earlier today, you already have a glimpse on how I'm going to start. I talked about in that e-news how last spring I cheated on you. Instead of going to one of our devotion groups that are absolutely excellent, I went to a non-denominational Bible study. I wanted to kind of meet people uh, to see what was out there. And actually, it was really good at first. They were reading Paul's letter to the Romans, which just happens to be my favorite book in all of Scripture. Uh, We took a real hard look at it. We analyzed it. Uh, The fellowship was good. It was a really life-giving experience. So I really can't, like, talk bad about them as much as, you know, church isn't supposed to be competitive with other churches. But nonetheless, we're sinners, so oftentimes it is. So I had a great time there. and, And, yeah, it was just... They really looked at the text. But as we kind of went along, I started to realize there were these, these three leaders. And the leaders there, it seemed like they didn't really, weren't really interested in the reading and what we were doing there. In fact, there was a, one point of the study where this one leader said, um, now, now that we're done with this, let's get to the, the real meat of it. Uh, and they started asking questions like, are you all in for Jesus? To which I was like, well, I mean, I want to want to be all in for Jesus. Like on Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm all in. But on Thursdays and Fridays, if I'm completely honest, like, I'm probably partially in for Jesus. Um, but yeah, I got the sentiment, I want to be sold out for Christ. But then I, I kept going on this. And then I started to realize like, oh, yeah, Romans is not really what this is about. Uh, this is all about like a, a, essentially a Christian pep talk for following Jesus. Uh, phrases were thrown, thrown around like, are you doing all that lies within you for Christ? Are you, and this is more of a 90s-ism, I don't know if you were a Christian in the 90s, but that, that word Jesus freak was thrown around a lot. And that was the vibe I was catching from, from this group. And uh, maybe this is just a Ben thing, but because that went on for so long, because that was the real meat of the Bible study, I started to like, kind of like shake in my chair and <laughs> proverbially break out in hives. Uh, and by the end of it, when I realized, oh, this was all that we were going to do for the rest, I could not wait to get out of there. So I'm really not talking about the people there. They were really nice. Uh, and the study was really life-giving. But I just, I couldn't handle it. And it reminded me of a time, maybe some of you have had this experience when I went to uh, Christian accountability groups in my youth. Again, these groups all started off really, really good. Uh, They were places where you could be vulnerable and open. They kind of uh, functioned as places where you could confess to your friends things that you were struggling with. And I don't know, I mean, this is a generalization, but at least for men, there are very few avenues where you can go and really kind of be open and vulnerable and not worried that you're going to be considered uncool or like, oh man, dude, like <laughs> enough. <laughs> you're like being a bit of a pansy. Um, but so these groups, they started off really good and they were really encouraging. But then after a while, 
uh, they would turn into these things where one member and then a couple members would start to say, well, it's time to get on to the next level. Are you at the next level? And people would start talking about how they're they were no longer doing these things anymore, this and that. And in fact, like they were doing really good things in their community and they were really taking ownership of their lives to which the rest of us, or at least me, I felt like I couldn't really be open about my shortcomings anymore. I, I kind of hid them. I masked them. Uh, I, I felt like I had the holiest front that you could imagine. And it, it really got to the point where I was kind of lying through my teeth about how well I was doing, how good everything was. Um, but it went to such a point where I, could, I, I forgot like the reason why I went to this group in the first place. And then I do what I always do. When I want to quit something, I'm not one of those people who's just like, I'm gone. I, I go like every other week. And then maybe once a month so that uh, I have this misguided notion that the break will be less dramatic when I finally do leave. Uh, but again, like the reason why I left was I don't want to talk bad about these people. In fact, never in mainline churches was I ever taught devotion to Christ. Never in mainline churches was I ever taught Jesus is my Lord and I need to surrender to him. But in these groups, it got to this point where what was once freeing, what was once life-giving, started to become oppressive. I started to realize that I couldn't be real anymore. I had to perform. I had to wear a mask. And hence the title, the albeit admittedly dramatic title of this sermon, uh, I was having proverbial panic attacks at these groups. And so it wasn't that I just stopped going to these groups. In fact, I kind of started, I never had this dramatic, like, I've become an atheist, or I am an agnostic now. I was... I, was very much formed as a Christian, but I stopped going to church, at least regularly. I started going once a month, and I never, I would tell people that I'm a Christian, but it just wasn't really speaking to my lived reality. I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, and it wasn't ever this moment of conviction in the sense of people were telling me what to do. Oh, you should go back to church, Ben. And that's what made me go back to church. What made me go back to church was, uh, uh, I mean, I'll admit, I'm go actually, Jay and I are going to this uh, early aughts emo band. This, uh, it, they're called May. We're going to this concert tonight, and we're going to relive our emo years. And this, 12 years ago, what brought me back to church was nothing, anything for no good reason. But I was in college, and the day before my senior year started, the love of my life dropped me like that. And it was as if all the lights in the universe went dark for me. Yes, you're supposed to laugh at that. But at the time, it felt really real, okay? <laughs> and so I was just kind of, I really was, like, blindsided by this. And kind of, like, really lost in the cosmos. And it was a friend of mine who I really respected. I was in a history program, and this guy was is super smart. And he just, he saw me. <laughs> it was, I was trying to hide it, but I couldn't, I couldn't perform any longer. I couldn't hide. And my friend told me about this Episcopal church plant nearby the college. And he said, this preacher is unbelievable and he connects our wounds with the wounds of Christ. So at that point, I was open for anything, any kind of healing, anything at all. So I went. And my friend was right. 
the priest at this church who went to seminary with Jake, who's a really good friend with Jake, really was an incredible preacher. And even more than his rhetoric or his ability, it was that he preached the gospel, something that I thought I knew, but I didn't really. It was so implicit that it didn't really make a difference. And in a sentence, he told us about the one-way love of God for suffering but redeemed sinners like you and me. What did he mean by the one-way love of God? Well, what that means is essentially, more often than not, it is God who's showering love upon us. And the one-way part is that I'm very much, most of the time, not really reciprocating. In fact, oftentimes I'm kind of running the other way. I kind of grew up thinking was that there was, this was kind of a two-way street. Uh, God gave some, I gave some. It was essentially, I believed in karma. Uh, I wasn't believing in the Christian gospel. But through this word, week after week, I, I one, I experienced healing, but two, I started to realize that the Christian gospel really is good news. It's too good to be true, and yet it is, because it's, it's free. And it's coming towards us even when we're going the other way. That's essentially what Paul means here in his letter. That's what he means when he says, since we have been justified by faith, not by what our performance or our works, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And now for me, I, I had always, I believed that. I believe that was more something that, you know, those preachers who go out and they're doing evangel- evangelicalistic uh, sermons, they're preaching to people who aren't Christians. This was good news for them. But once you're in, once you become a Christian, it's time to get your act together. It's your job to stay in God's love. But what this preached, this preacher made so clear, is that it doesn't stop when we are baptized. It doesn't stop when we're Christians. In case you were worried that this was just a promise to to new believers, um, what I meant to include in the reading from Romans, and I'd encourage you to look this up right after, verses 9 and 10 say, since now we've been justified, how much more shall we be saved? For if while we were God's enemies, we are reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? What is Paul doing there? He's using a a how much more style of argument. He's saying, if Christ did the hard work of reconciling sinners to himself, if Christ loved those who crucified him, if Christ loved us while we were at enmity with him, if he did that hard work, how much more, now that we've been made his friends, now that we've been grafted in, will he not complete the easy work? A famous theologian by the name of N.T. Wright writes it this way. He said the analogy is like this. If someone has struggled up a sheer rock face against all the odds to get to the very top of the mountain. They are not likely to give up when at the top of the vertical wall they are faced with an easy stroll on a grassy path to get to the summit itself. He writes, that 
is the force of Paul's argument. If someone has driven to the end of the country through rain, snow, and fog to see a friend in need, they are not going to abandon their quest when they arrive at the house, the sky is clear, the sun comes out, and all they have to do is walk up the garden path and ring the doorbell. Wright argues that that is the force of what Paul's saying in this letter. Friends, you and I have been made right with God by virtue of what Christ has done on the cross. And this is not only true for when we first come to believe or for those who are outside of the fold, but Christianity, the gospel, is good news for Christians too. The good work that he has begun in us, he will see to completion. And what that means is that you and I don't have to pretend anymore. We don't have to perform. We don't have to put on a happy face. We don't have to pretend like we're on the next level when we're not. You and I are on an equal playing field. Christ has loved us and chosen to die for us despite everything. And not just all those stuff that you did before you were a Christian, but even now. And he will see it through to the end. Do you not see how this is the greatest news possible? It means we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear. Now there are some of you in this room who will say to me, but Ben, like, if you preach a message like that, then people are just not going to want to do good ever. The theological term for this is they're going to become antinomian. They're going to be anti-law and they're going to go crazy. Well, Paul has things to say about that. And we'll go to that another day. But I'll say in my own life, when I received this word of grace week after week after week and realized it wasn't a bait and switch, realized there wasn't the good news is in the past and now here's where it's going to get really difficult. For the very first time in my life, I tithed to that church. Because this news was too good to be true and yet it was and I wanted other people to hear it. The gospel birthed goodness in me. It birthed these good works that we so desperately want, but are the work of the Holy Spirit. And during the season of stewardship, I've got to say, if you have heard this gospel, if you've been seized by it, we invite you, just like a good NPR pledge drive, to give, and to give generously. But, your giving does not make you right with God. Your giving doesn't put you on another level. Your giving is out of sheer gratitude for what Christ has already done that is not contingent upon what you do or what you give. But that makes it all the more powerful. I pledge to Calvary St. George's because this gospel is so good. It's too good to be true, and I don't have to earn it, but I freely give. Friends, if there's anything I want you to hear this morning, 
is that Christ is moving towards you. Not even just when you're doing whatever, but even on your bad days. Maybe even especially on your bad days. Especially in your suffering. The good news of the gospel is that no matter what, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So do not fear. Be yourself. Do not perform. Bask in this reality, in his one-way love for sinners like you and me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.